everybody, and welcome to That's Life, where I have taken to obsessive babka baking. My babka game is strong, and frankly, everyone is thrilled. I don't think I don't think people around me have been this happy in a very, very long time. Good morning, folks, and thanks for listening. I am Miriam L. Wallach, General Manager at the Nachum Siegel Network. You can find me right here after Allison and right before Nachum's live lunch. And folks, I'm going to tease today's live lunch. I always do that a little bit, but this is like a hardcore tease because um, my babka baking endeavors will be a two-hour conversation during the live lunch. I'm making this announcement now. Frankly, I'm just letting Nahum know. Nahum, we will be discussing babka for two hours. I know folks who listen to the live lunch know that every week Nahum starts basically with, I have a list of topics to get to. And shockingly enough, ladies and gentlemen, we never get through the topics. I don't even think we do the first one. So here, I'm dispelling any notions that that list is even going to be looked at. We're talking Bobka for two hours. Bobka, a little West Wing. I promise there's a connection. Bobka, a little West Wing. Probably some politics because, you know, <laughs> there's a lot of that going around these days. But that's the deal. I am hijacking the live lunch. We will be discussing Bobka don't miss a moment of it. And of course, let's go. It's our weekly update, our weekly reminder to wash your hands with soap and water, 20 seconds, sing along while you do, and wear a mask, practice social distancing, do everything you need to to keep you and the people around you, the people you love, the people you don't know, but they're around you anyway. Let's keep each other safe. By the way, um, for those people who saw my tweet about, I don't know, hour and a half ago, hour and 45 minutes ago, something like that. Yeah, so shout out to the woman on the Long Island Railroad this morning who was having her own Brian Adams sing-along. It was karaoke this morning on the Long Island Railroad, much to my chagrin and the chagrin of other commuters. It's just, yeah, feel free to have a moment in your car, but it's not it's not New York commuter etiquette. And so, um, so I got up and moved because I wasn't, you know, going to tell anybody to stop. That's your prerogative, I guess, but not really. It's a public space. Anyway, got up and I moved and I stood by myself. And then I guess she noticed that I was making a face at her or I was looking at her strangely, to which then I got an entire lecture on how, um, on how, uh, shall we say, I, I, uh, yeah, let's just say that she suggested that if I have a different religion in my life, that I'd be a better person. And I'm saying to myself, it really has nothing to do with it. Just don't sing on the train. You know what I'm saying? Don't sing on the train. Anyway, uh, let's go through the national holidays. You're not going to believe this. Today is dress up your pet day. I don't think that that's okay. I don't have a pet. But I wouldn't dress it up if I did. It's also International Kite Day. Who is flying a kite in this weather? I know I know, the entire world is not New York, and so it's nice weather in other places. And frankly, I hear that Israel, I don't know if it's still going on, but Israel was having a heat wave, which was uh, beneficial to a country in the middle of a lockdown because at least the kids could go outside and get some fresh air. But at the moment, there are no kites being flown here in New York. It's Organize Your Home Day. I tried that. I tried that during... During, during March, April, May, and June of 2020, it didn't work out. I think that that was probably happening in a lot of households. It's Ratification Day. It's World Logic Day. It's Caesarean Section Day. Okay. And, folks, tomorrow, you're not going to believe this. I know. I may celebrate this holiday tomorrow. Tomorrow's National Bagel Day. I don't know what the significance is of January 15th being National Bagel Day, but I do know that it could not have been organized by a Jew because no Jew would do that on a Friday. 
That's not the way you go into Shabbos. You don't have a bagel in the morning and then know that there's going to be a big meal later on and celebrate it on a Friday. I think that that's, I don't think that's the way to go. That's my take on it. I will probably celebrate tomorrow, but it will be begrudgingly. I will do so because that's the spirit of the day. But frankly, I think it should be scheduled for a different day. Of course, somebody's going to say, Miriam, it's just January 15th. This year it happens to be a Friday. I know. But we push off other national holidays because they come out on a Friday. I don't know why we're not doing this one. Thank you for listening to my TED Talk. You're listening to That's Life here at the Nachum Siegel Network. And my girl from the Gulf is back. Yes, my sister from another mother, somebody I adore and I totally respect professionally. Ariella Steinrath joins us. She's a senior VP at Steinrath Communications. She leads their work in the Gulf. She has spent the last five years working in the Gulf, and I think she spent the last five years being in the Gulf. It feels like she's been gone that long. Ariella, good morning. Good morning. How are you? I, I'm well. Um, I think that my caffeine level is a little bit high this morning, but I'm I'm just really excited to have you on and welcome you back. Is the English is English foreign to you at this point? Is your Arabic like your first language? I was going to ask which language do you want to do the interview in, um, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I have to tell you, there's two two uh, two things I have to share in, in relation to the way you uh, open this conversation. First off. The ironic part about me coming on is you're going to have this discussion about babka. One of that's one of my favorite things to to make. So next time I want to come on the lunch program. <gasps> and uh, stop. <laughs> and number two is you also, in terms of national um, national days, maybe not national for the U.S., but it is worth noting because it ties into this conversation that today is Bahraini Diplomacy Day. Oh. Um, and so it's it's a great opportunity to thank all the all the diplomats in Bahrain um, who do so much for the, the the kingdom's relationship with the other countries, including those here in America. So, absolutely, that well. yeah, that actually didn't make the American national calendar, but I do <laughs> <laughs> I do appreciate you mentioning it. That is for sure. So seriously, though, how long yeah. have you been? This is your longest stint in the Gulf, correct? Um. Yeah, I guess it's it's technically the longest one-time drive, right. so to speak, uh, but because of COVID, right? Um, normally, I'd go back and forth, and because of COVID, I really I was I was pretty much New York bound for quite some time. Mm-hmm. Um, but this, you know, this was also the longest time I think I haven't been in the Gulf um, because of COVID in the last ten years that I've been working in the Gulf. So I've really been at this for ten years, and usually was going back and forth. Um, but this time was really lovely. I did Dubai, Bahrain, back to Dubai, and back to Bahrain, and now I'm back in New York. Amazing. And I thought that yeah. Saudi Arabia was also on your itinerary. Am I wrong? It's coming up. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Okay, so I didn't realize. First of all, yeah. I apologize. I didn't realize it's been 10 years that you've been working the Gulf. Yeah. That yeah, is, yeah, yeah. That is since pretty. Right, since I graduated school. That is pretty yeah. incredible. Talk about going into the family business and jumping in full force. Uh, I I would start by saying by asking the following: the beginning of your trip versus the end of your trip. What mm-hmm. happened over this five weeks that you didn't expect to happen, and that you're still mind blown by by what took place? What shocked you from this trip? I can't imagine too many trips shock you anymore. You know what to expect. You've been working a region for ten years. But what shocked you from this trip? So I don't know if it was shocking, but you know, normally I go, I go for meetings, I come back, right? It's it's shorter trips. Maybe it's about a week, a week and a half, two weeks maximum. This time, because I was there for a longer period of time, and um, because now 
following the accords, I think you're seeing a little bit more of a warming of relations, even amongst the people. So I met with a lot of people who I might not have necessarily met with before. And it wasn't a shock, but it was so amazing to meet, you know, Emiratis, to meet Bahrainis, who I don't necessarily work with and who invited me, you know, into their homes and who wanted to come and talk with me and, and things like that. That's not something I I had done as much of in the past, but again, when you're somewhere for, you know, five and a half weeks, you have a lot of time, um, you know, in between meetings and over, you know, over the weekend. I think one of the things that was really incredible were the Shabbasim that I spent there, where um, we again had local Bahrainis and local Emiratis who came and, you know, came and joined us for Shabbos meals, which was really nice. I I, want to reiterate, by the way, that you are Shomer Shabbos and you are a woman and there is and you've always expressed that there has been a tremendous amount of respect that has been shown to you on both for both of those accounts by the by the interactions or the, by the people you interact with in the Gulf. And I imagine that not only has that not changed, but that's probably even been strengthened. One hundred percent. I've always said all along, you know, um, religion is so important to them. And the same way they want you to accept their religion, they want to, that like, they're respectful of your religion. So the same way they want you to respect halal, they respect kosher. You know, Friday is also kind of a form of Shabbos for them. They respect your Shabbos. But it's becoming very popular now to go to an Emirati Shabbos dinner on Friday night and, you know, or, or I should say a Shabbos meal in the Emirates, but sit next to an Emirati. Um, and that happened a couple of weeks ago. I was, you know, with the community there and one of my very good friends, um, who's now a big, a big uh, social media influencer on everything related to the Accords, Majid. Oh, you met Majid. I brought sure. him to you. Um, yeah, so he came for Friday night dinner, which was really, really lovely. And this time also, I had the opportunity to light Hanukkah candles, both with the Jewish community in Dubai, as well as with the Jewish community in Bahrain, which was really special. That is a beautiful, beautiful thing. It's not something I can imagine, even though, as as everyone knows, we were in the uh, we were in Dubai with you and we um, truly appreciate everything you did to help facilitate the success of that trip. And it really was a success, of course. but we love stop. You're so great. Um, but we, <laughs> but we left there and we landed back in New York and you were lighting candles in front of the Burj and that, the, the confluence of that picture and the, the, you know, the emotional and, uh, adrenaline high that we had, we were continuing to experience as we were landing in back in JFK, the confluence of those events and that picture just sent us, you know, sent us to the moon. It was, it was incredible. You know, there's a, there's a, a, a moment that you realize that you're standing in the gates of history and that what you're seeing is unprecedented and, and frankly, not something that everyone, anyone could have ever imagined. I mean, unfortunately, you can say that about a number of things that have happened over uh, in, in 2020 and certainly over the last week. But in a positive way, there were so many events of December that we were a part of. And I mean the collective we. That's you. That's me. That's Nahum and Yoni and, and anybody who was following us that, that really imag- uh, makes us take, take a breath, take a beat and say, wow, we really are standing in the gates of history. I, I couldn't agree with you more. You know, I've lit menorah, like I've lit the menorah before in Dubai, but I've never lit it in front of the Burj Khalifa. I mean, that was that was like the illustration to me of how far everything has come in the last couple of years, that we could do it, you know, and, and really do it publicly, which is what the mitzvah is all about, right? Um, and this is about as public as you could get in the middle of Dubai doing it that way. And it was really, really spectacular. Um, but I, you know, I would also say again, in, in Bahrain, having access to kosher food at the hotel, mm. um, uh, was also, was really, really spectacular. And so, 
I think that I think the day's coming when you and Nachum join me on another trip. I really think it's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, I'm just giving you a, I'm giving you a few weeks in between. I, and but, I um, appreciate that, and so does the yeah. family. We all appreciate that. That is a, a a little break is a good thing. You're listening yeah. to you're listening to that's life here at the Nachum Siegel Network. Ariella Steinreich joins me. Of course, we know her as the senior VP for Steinreich Communications and the person who leads their work in the Gulf. And of course, within these four walls, she is just known as a true true friend of this network and of course of me personally. Ariel, let's talk for a second. Since we left, I'm sure Dubai hasn't been the same since the Nahum Siegel Network left Dubai. But nevertheless, let's talk about the relationship and the influx of Israelis to Dubai. You were there during Hanukkah and everyone was basically like bracing themselves for this need for kosher food and and on-demand entertainment and all of these different things. Tell me what material in terms of the expectation and the number of Israelis to arrive there in Dubai and what it looks like now? So according to the reports, it actually exceeded the expectation. They're saying it was more than 50,000. And keep in mind that that was also in a shorter period of time because then, you know, when Israel went on lockdown, it was a mad dash to get all the Israelis had to get out of there before they had to go and, you know, a two-week dude in one of those hotels, which nobody wanted to do. Um, So the numbers actually were were significantly higher than people originally thought. Um, I think you probably observed this as well, but somehow it felt like you heard more Hebrew than Arabic (laughs) in the hotels in Dubai those couple of weeks, um, which was was really quite an experience. It's funny. I, I really enjoyed being with some Israelis who were there for their first time and seeing the Emirates through their eyes. It's something that I think I've kind of taken for granted at this point because I've been going back and forth for years. But what was also really cool was to hear from the Emirati side how this was their first exposure to Israelis. Some of them actually asked very good questions. They didn't realize, like, what were the differences between Israelis and, let's say, American Jews, to which obviously I explained there are some cultural differences, right? But um, it was a real learning opportunity, I think, for everybody all around. And it was so neat to be a bystander and observe that in, you know, as it happened. And so that was really, really neat. I think it never gets old hearing the Emiratis as well as the Bahrainis who, you know, speak Hebrew now, singing Hanukkah songs and things like that. I mean, you can't, you can't beat that. Um, I just think the whole, I, I just think it was so, it was remarkable to be there. And this was my first trip following the Accords and really mm. see an entire new Middle East play out in front of your eyes. So yes, I've known the Emiratis, I've known the Israelis, I've known the Bahrainis, but seeing them interact and seeing how welcoming the Emiratis and the Bahrainis were, it's just spectacular. This is, this is the vision. This is what everybody has worked collectively for, towards, and, and it, it's finally happening. And it's, it's amazing. And I think what you're seeing now are, other countries and their people who want who also want an equal seat at the table and that's why it feels like every couple of weeks there's just more countries who keep coming on board and you were and, also you were also there when this delegation of emiratis got back from their visit in israel correct mm-hmm. yeah and actually and and it's worth noting there also were bahrainis i met with um i met with two of the folks who were part of it from the emirates right when they got back and then i met with another three actually in Bahrain um, when I got there right after the, the trip as well. And it was, I mean, it was spectacular seeing some of my Emirati friends and my Bahraini friends lighting the menorah at the Kotel. I mean, who would have ever right. thought we'd, we'd get here? It's, it's really, really, really amazing. And the other thing that I was there for as well, not necessarily tied to the Accords, but obviously the big news, you know, um, last week, I guess was already about the Saudis and the Qataris, you know, ending the, the blockade. So I was actually in the airport 
um, when that was announced, pitching from the plane, of course, because that's, <laughs> that's the life of a PR person. And, uh, and I was on a flight going from Dubai to Manama, which is in Bahrain, and you actually you technically fly over or around, in this case, Qatar. And I was, I was really excited at the thought maybe I'd be on that first historic flight. So I moved my seat so I could have a good spot. And lo and behold, it was not the first flight. So <laughs> I, <laughs> I missed it. But we still went around. But it was fine. It was literally like 30 minutes after the, the big announcement happened. And it was still very exciting. Um, and God willing, there's going to be many, many more exciting updates that happen uh, in the next couple of weeks, I think. Amen. Amen. Please, God, yeah. it should all be in our time. And you're, you mentioned, obviously, so Israel is under lockdown. And so the the uh, influx, or I should say the wave of Israelis traveling to Dubai has receded. And so I guess it gives the, um, the providers, shall we say, in Dubai a moment to take a breath and regroup. And, and what I mean is, is we had mentioned, we had discussed on the air um, with Elia Abadi of Ellie's Kosher Kitchen how she was, while we were there, all of a sudden launching a pop-up restaurant to meet the needs of the influx of tourists and how she was certainly making a go of it. And as somebody who ate in her restaurant two, three nights in a row, I can't even remember at this point, the food was great and she certainly pivoted with unbelievable professionalism. But what I'm wondering is, is are, are they now, is everyone now taking I, oh, sorry, not Ellie Abadi, Ellie Creel. Sorry. Ellie Creel. <laughs> right, yeah. sorry. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, Ellie Creel. Rabbi Abadi was on this morning. He's in my head. Anyway, Ellie Creel of Ellie's Kosher Kitchen taking um, a moment, like she, like other people there, to reassess the situation so that the next wave, please God, when it happens, they can meet those demands and those needs better. Is that kind of regrouping happening now? I think there's two tracks. Yes, there's the regrouping on the Israeli side, but let's also not forget we're about to hit winter break for the American Jews, and there are a lot of people who are planning to go. So, you know, there's kind of two tracks that are going on here at the same time. And the other thing is, I know we're talking about Dubai, but I can also tell you that there's been a series of of meetings in the last couple weeks um, where there's real interest from the Bahrainis in having, you know, both American Jewish tourists, obviously European as well, as well as the Israelis. But there's also a lot of tour operators who are looking now to to, to bring groups like you're seeing in the Emirates, who want to bring them to Bahrain as well. So I think it's really becoming a regional thing. That is very, well. very interesting. So, you, And I'm sure, because as people who are getting interested or are interested in golf-related businesses, they know, for good reason, that you are their go-to person. So are you feeling an increase of traffic? Are people who... And companies and businesses, you know, representing different spectrum, different, um, I should say, angles and spectrums of, of Jewish life. Are they now contacting you for their angle, their niche opportunity in the Gulf area? I think we're seeing a few things. So on the inbound, so to speak, to the Gulf side, we're seeing people who either have concrete, you know, things like they know they, they think they can add this value. Or what we're seeing is I have a certain, you know, I have a certain value add that I can bring, but how do you think I should approach the market? We're seeing a lot of that, meaning stuff that maybe is outside of traditional PR. But again, because we're kind of the address for a lot of the Jewish stuff going on there, you know, people who say, I think I can help in this way, but who do you suggest I speak with? Or how do you suggest I go about doing that? And the other thing which is really exciting is we're also seeing a lot of interest from the outbound side, so the Emiratis and from the Bahrainis, who are saying, how can I reach, you know, Jewish businesses, tourists, you know, health things, you know, all, all that type of thing as well. So it's it's a constant two-way street. And, and I think, 
The other thing, which I, I recently shared with, with somebody as well, is, you know, let's not forget that for all the people who are excited about Saudi Arabia, when, when God willing that happens, Bahrain is actually kind of the perfect entry point into Saudi Arabia. Geographically, it literally borders, you know, you know how like when you go to like L.A. and you go to see like the Beverly Hills homes and they'll say like the celebrity lives here and everybody wants sure. to take a picture. So in, in Bahrain, there's literally the causeway to Saudi Arabia. So you can actually stop mm. on the side of the highway, take a selfie with Saudi Arabia behind you. And everybody, a lot of tourists like to do this. So, um, but it's, I mean, there's literally a causeway, like a highway that connects the two. Wow. And there's a lot of business that goes back and forth. So I think what we're starting to see now are a lot of Israelis realizing, wait a second, if I come in now to Bahrain, it's a very easy entry point to get into Saudi Arabia once that opens up physically, business-wise, et cetera. So there's a lot of interest there as well. And thank God, I mean, thank God I have an amazing, amazing team who works with me. Um, sometimes it feels like we work around the clock because we're kind of working everywhere from seven, eight, and nine hours ahead, right? Seven being Israel, eight being Bahrain, nine being, um, being the Emirates, and obviously Saudi falls in there as well. So, you know, we're all really dedicated. I think we all view this more as a mission and a passion of ours than, than just, you know, stuff that we do for work. I mean, we're all really invested. Many of us have spent years in this field. Some of us have studied this field. And we all collectively want to help propel the new Middle East, which is what I, I think it's, it really needs to be called the new Middle East. There are certain parts of the Middle East that are still getting there. But, um, but you know, but, but the ones who are already, you know, moving forward – they're really carrying the torch for everybody, which is really lovely. That's very, very cool. And I'm looking forward to hearing more more information, more exciting news certainly coming from you guys. And, and I imagine it'll be coming rather soon. We literally have a few <laughs> minutes left. We literally have a few minutes left with Ariella Steinreich again from Steinreich Communications. Ariella, unfortunately, I guess fortunately or unfortunately, um, I don't even know which is the better way to put it, you were overseas when uh, a number of different, um, shall we say, historic moments uh, in U.S. history have taken place. And um, there's always scuttlebutt. There's always, there's always the conversation that takes place around, United, around events and historic events in the United States. And those conversations happen globally. I wonder if people were turning to you and saying, so what do you think of blank? Or how did it feel for you as an American to be overseas while certain things were taking place here? So as somebody who's in PR, I'm really tuned into the media. And the, the events that happened at the Capitol, I, I was actually at a dinner and was on the way back and, and, and got a call actually from my father who said, are you watching this turn on CNN? And I was, it was such an, an out-of-body moment turning it on and seeing what was going on and thinking to myself, we're supposed to be, you know, so many countries around the world look towards America as a mentor, as a guiding light, and when, and and watching our behavior, and so no, people didn't say anything probably because I was there, so they they knew <laughs> I like you know I didn't have any intel so to speak, um, but people did make comments like can't believe that happened, um, and people I think you know people uh, people were very surprised there was a lot of shock a lot of shock about it. And, you know, and, and a lot of people reiterating that type of a message, which is, you know, we all look, we all look towards you guys. And um, I think as Americans, we have a responsibility uh, towards that as well. But, no, I mean, 
nobody nobody kind of harped on it, you know, too much. I think that, but it's again, it was probably because I was there. If they were talking to me on the phone and I was here in New York at the time, I'm sure they would have asked more. But I obviously didn't have any more more intel than than they did at that point. Right. So, no, I think honestly, you know, look, if I were to summarize this this experience these last few weeks into three into three categories, it would be the excitement at the at the present and the excitement at the future. And, and that's really important to differentiate between the two. Right now, it's about establishing relationships. There's a phenomenal, phenomenal video that's gone viral all over the Internet. You probably have seen it. It's with Mohammed Alibar from Emar Properties, which is a, a he's a very big property, uh, you know, property developer over there uh, throughout the Gulf, not even just the Emirates, but he is based there. And he said, you know, don't come here just asking, you know, for business. Come here. I want to meet your mother. I want you to be my mother. That's really mm-hmm. how things work in the Gulf. It's relationships, and you have to invest the time. If you're going to go there and just try to do a trip and, you know, pick up business, you know, you know, like, like chick-chock, it, it just doesn't work like that. So right now there's a big focus on the present, building these relationships. Then it's on the future in terms of what can the future for our region look like and how do we do that collectively together. Those are two very important parts. And I think that the third part, which is equally important, is, is seeing the embrace and the desire amongst Emiratis and Bahrainis to help Jewish life flourish in both locations. And that's beautiful, meaning you will go to a restaurant in the Emirates, one of the kosher restaurants, and you will see Emiratis eating there. Right. They right. want to support that. They, you know, they ask, can they come to a Shabbat dinner? They want to be part of that. They want to show their support for us, and we, in turn, should do the same for them. That's amazing. What a great sentiment to close with. Ariella Steinreich, thank you, as always, for joining me on the air. Welcome back. I hope the jet lag isn't terrible, and I look forward to speaking <laughs> to you again soon. Well, I hope I look forward to hearing how the Bopka went, so we'll have to reconnect. Uh, oh, yeah. Don't you change that dial. You'll be listening for the next two-plus hours as we discuss what Nachum is going to refer to as Bopka-gate, but let's see how it goes. Ariella, thanks so much. Regards to Thank everyone you. at Steinreich Communications. Thank you, and I just I wanted to say one last thing. It meant a ton to the Jewish people in, in the Emirates and even to the Emiratis to see you and Nachum there. Really, there was there was energy in the air about you guys coming, and so I just I want to thank you guys for coming, and and obviously your listeners who listened along the way and who followed all of our travels on on social media and um, who partook in whatever way possible. But it means a lot to see a network like you guys come out, and so we thank you. Well, I really thank you for that. It was certainly a once in a lifetime experience. Ariella Steinrach from Steinrach Communications. I wish you a great day and a good Shabbos. Good Shabbos. Good Shabbos. Thank Th- you. Thanks, everybody. Okay, thanks, Ariella. All right, folks. You've been listening to That's Life here at the Nachum Siegel Network. We're going to pull up the song in the background because I'm not letting two weeks in a row go by without... There we go. We are listening to Besorot to Vote by Ohad. Yeah, we got a crazy week coming up ahead, not just here at the Nachum Siegel Network, but certainly in the United States of America. We should all share Besorot to Vote. The live lunch starts in just a few moments, literally in a few moments. Hear everything about Bobka and more starting at 11 a.m. Eastern Time. Throwback Thursdays at 1 p.m. Encore of JM Rewind at 4 p.m. And, of course, the Arab Shabbos Show hosted by Mark Zamek. 7 p.m. Eastern Time tomorrow morning. Join Nachum as he hosts JM in the AIM starting at 6 a.m. Eastern Time. Of Rami host Saturday Night Seagull. This is Matze Shabbos. Matis, JM Sunday, 7 a.m. Eastern Time. If you have not yet given to our campaign, folks, fjbunity.org. Please donate today. Do your best to help us do our best. Again, we are closing today with Besorot to vote by Ohad. Everyone stay safe. Everyone stay healthy. 
And we should share Besoro to vote. That's life, everybody. Bye, guys. Oh, oh, oh.